Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral not just some story that is being told in the Bible. There are biblical values, biblical principles that are being um, displayed in the, in the text to show us first the clashing contrast between those who use power for self-aggrandizement, those who use leadership for ego, those who have been entrusted with positions. What are they doing with the positions that they have been trusted with? Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And then we see it clashingly contrasted with the biblical values and what the Bible teaches us, what power is all about. When God gives influence to an individual, when God trusts somebody with a sphere of influence, when God wants to use someone greatly, such as in this generation, how is it to be used? And we see Esther and Mordecai as examples of the principles that the the Bible is looking for the, um, the resume of royalty, how God is going to elect and how God is going to select the next, next generation of leaders. And we see this prophetically paralleled in the lives of Esther and Mordecai. If you're with me, say amen. Look at Esther chapter 10, and we're going to see how Mordecai used his power. Now, first of all, we need to see that his ascension to this place of power was a reward. His ascension to this place of power was a reward for his constant um, his constant prayer and all the testings that he had gone through. I want you to understand that one of the basic themes in the book of Esther is the theme of not just deliverance, but enlargement and deliverance. Can you say this with me? Enlargement and deliverance. Did you know that during this season, God is not just going to bring you deliverance, but God is going to bring you enlargement and deliverance. This is what Mordecai told Esther. Let us look at this just before we look at our text here in uh, Esther chapter 10, verse 3. We're going to go back on replay for a moment. Let's go back to Esther chapter 4. And I want us to see in Esther chapter 4, all throughout the Megillah, Esther, we see that the presentation of who Esther is is a very important key component. The Bible does not display Esther's position based on her outward beauty. That is not why. She was not elected in this place just because she was beautiful. And this is oftentimes we get this, we get this so completely confused because we have a tendency to think of success in a secular sense. There is a clashing contrast between secular success and the biblical success secrets, biblical success. 
Biblical success is not the same thing as secular success. Secular success is obtained by ambition. Secular success is uh, obtained by secular and worldly means. But biblical success and the kind of success that God wants to give you is found from the biblical values and the biblical success secrets that are hidden in God's word that open the doors of destiny for whosoever will, that will embrace those biblical values and use those success secrets that God has put in his word for his honor and for his glory. Amen, saints. And so we see that all throughout the Megillah, the scripture is actually qualifying Esther for this position. We saw many weeks ago when we studied the Megillah Esther, we saw in chapter two, we saw, first of all, all of the sufferings of the life of Esther, that God is not looking for those who look so outwardly qualified. She, in the natural, would have been the most unqualified candidate to take the place of the Queen of Persia. She would have been the most unqualified candidate to bring down the equivalent of Adolf Hitler in her generation, who was Haman, the son of Hamadatta, the Agagite. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. The Bible begins by qualifying her as a captive. She is among the captive people. Secondly, we see that she is an orphan. She is without mother or father. And notice in the verse that the text introduces us to Esther. We see in verse 7 of chapter 2, the Bible says he brought up Hadassah. Notice this is her childhood name. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter. And she had neither mother nor father, and the maid was fair and beautiful, who, when her mother and father were dead, took her to be his own daughter. This is amazing. This is the only place in the whole entire Megillah that we get that Esther is beautiful. Every other place we get the character traits, or we get, beloved people, the, the character traits or the resume of royalty is explained to us very clearly what God wants, what the Bible has provided for us as a resume for royalty that actually defines for us the character traits that God is looking for for leadership. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So we see that she had neither mother nor father. And the, the Bible says the maid was fair and beautiful who when her mother and father were dead, he took her to be his own daughter. The Bible here is also qualifying Mordecai. The Bible is showing us that Mordecai is a man of great hesed. He, he is already proving his leadership skills. Because if we read the Bible and we want to know what are the success secrets of a leader, someone who is going to have tremendous influence, who is going to be able to affect their generation, someone who is going to be able to lead others. The text teaches us that there are actually skills of selflessness that we can see in the Bible because every person who has been chosen for leadership in the Bible has 
character traits and actually is shows us different acts of selflessness. God is looking for a selfless leader. And in this place, selflessness is also the requirement, but we also see that taking the responsibility for another human being is also the requirement. It is not about just protecting yourself, using that platform for your own personal profit. Say this with me. I will never use my platform for my own personal profit. Say this with me. I won't be an Esau who gave up his birthright, who said, what profit is this birthright to me? You see, he wanted the birthright only because he believed that the birthright would bring him personal profit. Are you with me, saints? Okay. But for those he can trust that will not use the sphere of influence for their own personal profit. Someone who has enough chutzpah to understand that God gave you this platform for a reason. He gave you this platform to help somebody else. I hope somebody understands the proper perception of power and influence. And until we really get it right, we are going to hinder the power of God from raising up leaders in very high positions that he wants to raise up in this generation to be world changers and world shakers. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. All right. So we see that Esther from the very beginning is trained in a household of Hesed. She is raised in a, among biblical um, an environment of biblical values. She is raised up by Mordecai. The Bible says he brought up Hadassah. Doesn't just mean he was just let her in his house and let her live there. No, who when her mother and father were dead, took her to be his own daughter. So the Bible is showing us that he nurtured her, that he took care of her, that he was like a nurse to her. And actually, the word that is used, one of the words that are actually used to describe Mordecai's love for Esther is the same word that Moses used when Moses was very discouraged in the wilderness in Numbers chapter 11. And he said, am I a nursing mother that I should have to put up with all of these people when they were complaining? This same word for nursing is used uh, the way that Mordecai took care of Esther, that he took care of her spiritually, emotionally. He was like a mother and father to her. So when her mother and father were dead, took her to be his own daughter. This is a qualification for exaltation into greatness, taking the responsibility for another human being. Put your hands up right now and say, Lord, show me who you are calling me to take the responsibility for. Someone that I can help, someone that I can be a blessing to in in the name of Jesus. Now, beloved saints, as we continue in the context, we see that Esther is noted by her character traits of humility, by her character trait. You say, where is it? Does the Bible say the woman was humble? Well, we know from the very beginning that the Bible is going to tell us twice that she was extremely obedient to Mordecai. And this was her connection in the palace. This was her connection to heaven. Because behind those closed doors, there was no viable way to worship God. 
Behind those closed doors, it was a world of secularism. It was a world that uh, actually, if you look, the entire, the entire um, landscape of the social values of the Achmanid Empire under the time of Ahasuerus is laid out for us in chapter one. And also, when the death decree by Haman was written to destroy the Jews, this, this um, landscape that is given to us in chapter one is accentuated. And what is the landscape of the social value system in chapter one? Number one, it is a, a full-on uh, system of abuse of power. This is number one. Number two, we see that, that those that are in leadership are using their leadership for self-aggrandizement. Secondly, we see, dear people of God, that when the death decree was written against the Jews, the Bible shows us that there's no conscience. The Bible shows us that there's no qualm about writing a death decree of genocide against a nation. We're living in times, just as the Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, watch this, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We are living in times when there is no conscience anymore in society. There is no more moral value in the, in the society that has conscience. There is no level of conscience or value. And here we see that when, um, when Haman wrote the death decree against the Jews, he used euphemistic phrases that are very similar in structure to the euphemistic phrases to cover up genocide uh, that the Third Reich used to cover up the genocide against the Jews. We see that he used euphemistic phrases such as looking at Esther chapter 3, looking at the scripture. The Bible says, if it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of them who have charge of this business. Notice he didn't say, I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those that are going to commit these murders. But he didn't say that. He used a euphemistic phrase to cover up his wicked deed. And he said, I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of this business. And we also see that other euphemistic phrases are used all throughout the, um, the proposal of genocide that the king immediately signed. We don't see the king asking for evidence. We don't see the king giving any kind of argument toward the destruction of millions of Jews. He just signs it off. And to close the deal, the Bible says in Esther chapter 3, verse 15, if you will look at it, this is not written so we know it happened. The last line says, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink, and the city of Shushan was perplexed.
Do you realize that after the Nazis signed the final solution, that they were sitting down and they were drinking and they were eating? We see a society without conscience. This means that they didn't even blink an eyelash. They're just going to exterminate. They wrote a, a, a death decree order to exterminate thousands of Jews. And so we need to understand, dear people of God, that we as a people need to become sensitive to conscience. It is our moral responsibility to take care of our neighbor. I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about. That moral conscience in a society and especially among Christians. Christians should not lack moral conscience. Christians are responsible. We are responsible to stand up and be a voice for the voiceless. We are responsible to be advocates, to plead. I hope somebody is hearing me today. All right? This is written, not so we know it happened, but this is written to teach us and to instruct us in the ways of God so that we would know what God is requiring of us in our own generation. All right, beloved saints. So we see here that Esther is being developed as a child, completely obedient. And when she goes to the house of the women, the Bible tells us in Esther chapter 2, verse 10, and especially in verse 11, let us look at the scripture in Esther chapter 2, verse 10, looking at verses 10 and 11, the Bible tells us, um, Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the woman's house to know how Esther did and what would become of her. First of all, this is after the kidnapping. This is after Esther was brought to the house of the women. And the Bible says in verse 10, look at the scripture. The Bible is telling us Esther did not show her people or her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. All right, she's behind closed doors. She is not seeing Mordecai. When Mordecai goes before the court of the women, this is a, a, a special privilege that he has to even walk in the grounds of the palace. He has this privilege because he serves in the king's court. How do we know that? We know that from Esther chapter 3. When Mordecai refused to bow, all the, king, the Bible says all the king's servants were, were commanded to give homage to Haman. But Mordecai chose not to bow to Haman. So this makes Mordecai one of the king's servants. This is why he has access to the gate. This is why he has access outside the palace to the house of the women, though he never goes into the house of the women. And what we just read here in Esther chapter eight is the very first time in seven years that Esther is going to see Mordecai face to face. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So she's behind closed doors. So does she need to obey Mordecai behind closed doors? And the Bible is showing us that the little things, the things we think so often are so insignificant. You see, so often we minimize little things that actually bring us big success. You see, many of us, when we read the Bible, we fail to understand little secrets 
that bring big success. Put your hands up right now and say, Lord God, I want to know the little secrets that bring big success. Somebody ought to shout the victory. And what is the little secret that brought huge success to Esther? She obeyed Mordecai. That was a success secret that the Bible is going to show us. She not only obeyed Mordecai behind closed doors because she knew he was a man of God and he is going to guide her into the way of being able to serve God behind closed doors in that God-forsaken palace, in that place, and she's going to be able to constrain the presence of God wherever she goes, though she has to hide her identity as a Jew. And though the value system of those people is completely opposite to Torah values, she is living in a place that is the total antithesis of the way she was raised. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Yet we see after she's queen, after she is the queen of Persia, the most important woman in the world, Notice what the Bible tells us in Esther 2.20, little secrets that bring big success. Say it with me, little secrets that bring big success. Say, I want big success. But you have to be willing to be conformed to the biblical values and know what the success is all about. It is not about you. That is the word of the Lord, and that is the teaching of the Bible. Notice Esther chapter 2, verse 20. Esther had not showed her people. Notice we just read this. We just read this in Esther chapter 2, verse 10. Now we're reading in Esther chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible is repeating itself. Why is the Bible repeating itself? Because it's a success secret. That's why. Because the Bible is emphasizing the character traits of Esther. And this is the character trait of equanimity. This is the character trait of Esther not changing. She's the same Esther as she was when she was brought up by him. And she's now the queen of Persia but it did not go to her head. She had, beloved saints, that quality of equanimity. She's the same. So if you would have known her as Hadassah, and then you would have known her as the queen of Persia, she would not have had a personality change. Hello, somebody. Notice, Esther had not showed her people or her kindred as Mordecai had charged her. Notice everywhere the Bible is saying charged. This is one of the words that the Bible uses to express commandments so that we understand that the type of, of commandments that Mordecai is giving her are actually commandments from God's word. And here we see she had not shown her people or her kindred as Mordecai had charged her for Esther did the mitzvah. She did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up by him. Now she is queen of Persia, but she is still obedient like a child. Hello, somebody put your hand up right now and say, Holy Spirit, put me in your training program. Come on, Holy Spirit, put me in your humility program. Put me in your training program because there's a work to do in the earth. And say this with me, I don't want to miss my platform. Somebody ought to get a little bit serious about the word of God here tonight. Hallelujah. All right, so we are seeing 
that she has this proper perception of power. And now, right before her miraculous moment with destiny, she's going to go into a place where there is a tad of tension. Isn't it wonderful that not everything is so easy? Isn't it wonderful that sometimes within ourselves, we have to, we have to battle it out? We have to battle out our emotions. We have to battle out that which is not the perfect will of God. Sometimes we're so dead sure that what we think is God's will. So often we choose the more convenient choice in our own lives and think that that's God's will. And it was not until Mordecai brought to the attention the reason why Esther was given the platform. Until she really understood why God gave her the sphere of influence. That she was able to make the most difficult decision of her life. When Mordecai sent through Hatak a copy of the decree, and, and Mordecai said, Look, you're going to go before that king and you're going to plead for your people and plead for their lives. Esther didn't receive that so well. Why? Because there were political implications behind what he was asking her to do that could have endangered not only her life, but her crown, her attachment to the throne, everything she ever wanted in her life is now being requested to be put on the line for something she wasn't really familiar with. And so here we see, she didn't know anything about the debt decree. Why? Because she's hidden in the palace. Put your hands up right now and say, Holy Ghost, I don't want to just stay hidden in the palace. I want to know what's happening in the world. I want to bear the burden of my neighbor. I am my brother's keeper. Hello, somebody. I am my brother's keeper. But that's all right. She's still our hero because why? She's going to evaluate and just answer back to Mordecai according to the protocols of the palace and according to the fact of the way she does not want to be perceived by the public, by those inside the palace. And that is, she doesn't want to be a, a Vashti. She doesn't want to break protocol, number one, because Vashti's dead, because there is obvious protocol for the way you enter the king and the way you respond to the king when you are summoned. And, and Vashti did not respond to the king, and she responded in the improper protocol, and she's dead. That's not only the reason why, it's also because Vashti, had, uh, Vashti um, is no, was known to be a woman that actually challenged the king, and Esther didn't want to be that. She did not want to appear as if she's challenging the protocol of the palace or have any kind of association with a Vashti-like person. Are you with me? Sometimes God is going to say to us, this is not what you want to do, but this is what I need you to do. Sometimes God is going to say, how much do you love me? Do you love me enough to lay even the way people perceive you on the altar? 
How are you, how deeply committed to you, to the will of God are you? Are you just completely obsessed with what people think of you? Or even those that you love, do you always have to be in perfect in their eyes so that even at the risk of missing the will of God? You, we sometimes make decisions that are not the will of God because we have to be perfect to the people that we love. Are you with me? And serve their, their expectations of who they expect us to be rather than what God called us to be. I hope somebody's hearing me today. And here we see that Esther immediately, she responds with a very polite decline. Part of the reason was it was not the right timing. And so she says in verse 11 of, of Esther chapter 4, I want us to see it. In Esther chapter 4, we look at verse 11, and the Bible says in Esther chapter 4, verse 11, and all the king's servants of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, should come into the king who is not called into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law to put him to death, except to whom the king shall extend his scepter, and I have not, his golden scepter, and I have not been called to come in unto the king for these 30 days. This concept of the 30 days is actually a Mede and Persian concept in the sense of certain decrees were written for 30 days, so it must have been a 30-day decree that was written in this case because we see a 30-day decree also written in the book of Daniel that whoever bows before any other god or prays to any other king or to any other God other than Nebuchadnezzar as God for 30 days will be put to death. All right, so we see this concept of 30 days that there are some decrees that are written among the Medes and the Persians that are 30-day decrees. This obviously was a 30-day decree that was written so that if she breaks this decree, it's not just a generalized decree, it's a specific decree that the king put out. And she would be actually risking not only her life, her reputation, but appear to be a Vashti. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. She didn't want to do that. But guess what? Aren't you thankful for the righteous that correct you when you're off? Somebody ought to say, I'm so thankful for the leaders that God put me in my life to keep me in line. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness somewhere? We have a generation that doesn't know how to receive correction. And, but I want you to understand what David said. In Psalm 141, verse 5, David said, Let the righteous smite me. It shall be unto me a hesed. What do you mean a hesed? A kindness that will not break my head. It shall be unto me an excellent oil. How many of you want an oil of excellence? Then listen to instruction. Somebody ought to say, I want to listen to instruction. I want to be submitted to the leadership God has put into my life. Can I get a witness somewhere? <laughs> Esther's little, little way of thinking didn't last very long. Do you know why? Because she was so yielded and so committed to pleasing God and not man that when he corrected her, she just, 
she just allowed that correction to lift her destiny to its highest place of perfection. Can you imagine had she not listened? Can you imagine had she trained herself to be hard-hearted? Can you imagine in the little things if she argued in her heart or in her mind, the things that Mordecai told her to do? Can you imagine if she made her ways, repetitive ways, without correcting them? When it came to the miraculous moment, would she have accepted or would she have declined? Here he says, think not. Oh, I'm going to speak to you, Hadassah. Think not. That you, look at verse 13. The Bible says, think not that you yourself shall escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. I got a word for you, little girl. You're not going to escape here. For if you altogether hold your peace, is this light or is this a light thing? Is he handling this like this is a light thing or like this is a weighty thing? It's a weighty thing. So when it's a weighty matter between life and death, do you candy coat it? No, you got to speak it and tell it like it is. You got to tell her, look, girl, we don't have two years for you to decide whether what you're going to do with the platform that God trusted you with. You better use it right now for the glory of God and know that God didn't give you this platform for you to be the queen of Persia. God gave you this platform to save your people. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And so we see, if you altogether hold your peace at this time, then there shall enlargement and deliverance. Say this with me, enlargement and deliverance. Enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house. What is he talking about? He's talking about Saul. Your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And he's saying, look, know your platform. And notice that immediately Esther absolutely conforms herself, submits herself, and absolutely yields to the advice and to the words of Mordecai. Say this with me, Holy Spirit. Don't take two years to deal with me on an issue. Work with my will that I will want to do your will the moment you quicken me, the moment you lead me, the moment you speak to me. I do not want to have a stubborn spirit. I want to serve God exactly as he has called me to serve him. Can I get a witness somewhere? Now, beloved saints, we see that this is where Esther died. This is complete selflessness. This was her choice. She chose it. When you're going to step into your destiny, you know that it's really a stepping stone to greatness when you're going to be confronted with the choice of selfiness, selfiness. <laughs> Or selflessness. Which one is it? Selfless or selfie? This is a major decision she has to make. It's not easy. She made it. 
but she knew what it meant. It meant total detachment from the throne. It meant no worldly ambition for herself because if self got in the way, the whole project would be debunked. It meant, I realize why God gave me this platform. Little Hadassah, little person who really shouldn't be here. How did I get to this throne? How did I get to this place? It's not about me. It's about the way the Almighty loves his people. And he needs a vessel that will reach out as their, the hand and, because he, and become his hand of protection and mercy in the earth for his people. He needs a kind vessel. He needs someone that's absolutely selfless. So, Lord, I give up my attachment as Queen of Persia. I give up wanting to please Ahasuerus. I just want to please you. I give up what he thinks of me. I only want to offer to you what you think of me. I give up any attachment to riches or anything that would hold me hostage to the title Queen of Persia. And I will step in and finish what my great ancestor forfeited. I will destroy Amalek. I will bring that Amalekite down. I will bring down Haman. And he will not touch your people anymore. And so she devises the plan, hallelujah. And the plan is superb because God backs it up. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. Now we see the same greatness using the sphere of influence the same way with Mordecai. Notice in Mordecai, Mordecai's sphere of influence, chapter 10, verse 3. I want you to see it here in the word of God, because today the king is going to extend the scepter to you. And today I believe that God is going to make some transfers from the, uh, the, from the place of 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 the wealth transfer from the place just like it happened for Esther and Mordecai. God is going to make some transfers in the spirit if you agree to serve God the way God wants us to serve him. Notice what the Bible says here in Esther chapter 10. The Bible says in Esther chapter 10, looking at the word, the Bible says, for Mordecai, the Jew, was next to Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and accepted among the people of his brethren and seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all of his seed. Notice what the Bible says. He's going to use his throne of being next to the king. He's going to be great among the Jews. And the Bible says accepted among the brethren. 
Notice it doesn't say accepted by his people, but it says accepted among his brethren because this word brethren is a very important word. It shows solidarity with his people. It shows the same type of solidarity that Moses had with the slaves. Hello, somebody. The Bible uses in the book of Exodus, the second chapter and the 11th verse, when Moses went to see his brethren, he saw a Hebrew, a, a Hebrew being smitten by an Egyptian, an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren, so that we see that this association now that Mordecai is going to use his place of prominence for his brethren. Notice what it says, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all of his seed. This word wealth in the Hebrew language is the word tov. He's seeking the good for everyone. He's using his throne and his position to protect his people. He's using his place and his position that they will no more be vulnerable and be vulnerable in a position where there could be another genocide attempt. He is making sure that the people of God are protected in all that they do. Are you with me if you are say amen let's stand to our feet today hallelujah and i want us to go back beloved saints to Esther. thank you for joining us today on day of destiny we invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of dr corral's latest book secrets of the anointing also we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans providing water wells providing medical supplies clinics feeding programs and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.